I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hey friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Now, I am going to keep it short and sweet today because this episode is a little bit longer than they usually are. We are over an hour today, so I won't be talking too much this morning. Well, it's this morning while I am recording this, but I just won't be talking too much today because we have such an amazing podcast to look forward to just within the next few minutes here. So today, my really great friend, Sloan Pittman, is joining me on the show. Now, I knew Sloan and I were going to have such a great conversation together. If you tuned into last week's episode, so I think that was episode 42, I gave you a big update on what I've been up to lately eating more and really focusing on balancing my hormones, getting my period back by intentionally eating more and really moving from a place of quote unquote intuitive eating to like true listening to my body um, above and beyond hunger cues. And I've been talking a lot about this on Instagram lately as well. And I've received so many comments and questions about how to go above and beyond hunger cues to like fuel your body and eat more and things like that. There's so many questions around this topic. And Sloan and I have very similar backgrounds. Sloan has also recovered from eating disorders and she has also come to this place where she calls it intentional eating. And it's funny because I've been calling it intentional eating for the past few months as well. So that's what we're talking about today. We also talk about gaining weight and accepting the weight gain. So if that is something that you're interested in, you are going to love today's show. So let's just head on over to this conversation. You guys are going to love it. Sloan, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on the show with me this week. I know you and I have tried many times to get you on this show. (laughs) And I do believe this is like the third try. So third time's a charm, right? It is. Thank you so much for being patient with me because I think a couple of those times where I either forgot a laptop or um, needed to reschedule because I triple booked myself. So I'm so excited to finally be on. 
Yeah, well, I am so excited to have you on. And I know before I hit record, you and I were chatting a little bit about the different topics we can chat about and the things that you specifically want to talk with me about today. So honestly, I feel like there was definitely a reason for all of the rescheduling up until now because today is going to be a great episode. And last week, I was sharing with our listeners all about what I have been up to for the past four months, which includes like not necessarily intuitive eating in the way that everyone else thinks intuitive eating is Mm -hmm. and just eating more and really addressing some specific health issues that I'm going through. So really working towards getting my period back. And I know we kind of like want to do a even deeper dive on this today. So I'm really excited about that. Me too. I'm so stoked. Awesome. So before we actually get chatting, I really want you to introduce yourself to our listeners. You and I are long time friends, like long, long way back. So introduce yourself to everyone that's listening. Awesome. Um, Well, I'm Sloan. I currently am a yoga teacher and a body worker. So I do deep tissue structural massage um, and teach yoga and Pilates. And what I am mostly into lately is giving people an experience of wellness in their bodies and their minds um, through teaching them meditation techniques and mindful movement and then getting to use my hands to help their body release kind of long time patterns of tension and that kind of thing. Um, And where we met actually was on our blogs years and years ago. So long ago. Eight years ago, I feel like. Um, And my, my background is I was a swimmer all through high school and college. Um, I was a marathon and ultra marathon runner after that. And the whole time, basically I was struggling in, in some form of recovery for an eating disorder for almost 15 years. Um, and yeah, it's been what I've been up to for the last probably seven years is navigating the world of wellness, which also has some kind of pitfalls that sent to sent me back into like patterns that I didn't want to necessarily be into. Um, and kind of fed my eating disorder, even though it had a new fresh look that seemed like health. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so for me, what I've really been up to over the last few years is trying to figure out a way to be in the wellness world and also be out of the um, diet world. <laughs> yeah, and that's huge. And I am so happy that you brought that up because... 
I don't want to say it's like a thin line or something like that, but it is difficult to kind of navigate yourself through the health and wellness world and really like determine whether or not you are actually doing the healthy thing or if you're falling into like the diet culture thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I don't think it's necessarily a thin line. I just think that, um, unfortunately diet culture is so long lived in our world and it's so pervasive in our world that, um, as wellness has started to become this new big uprising in our culture, it's just been an easy way for diet culture to continue. It's like, oh, look, we can sort of disguise ourselves in this new language of wellness that people are addicted to mm-hmm. um, and be able to still perpetuate these beliefs and essentially ways to make money. Yeah. I know. I actually just saw something this morning and I'll just share this really quick because I do want you to go into a little bit more detail about overcoming your eating disorder. But then like you said, it taking on a new face or like a new persona. And when it when that happens, it's not so easy to be like, oh, hey, I'm still struggling or I still have something to work on or overcome. But this totally relates to what we're talking about right now. I was just on Instagram this morning watching a few different Instagram stories and someone was showing a bowl that they were eating and it was like beef and broccoli and then there was white rice underneath. And normally this Instagrammer eats more so of like a keto-based diet. And Mm -hmm. she just had to like explain herself as to why she's eating the rice. And when she was talking about this, she said, oh, I know all of you are going to gasp when you see this rice. And it's like, why? Why Why are we making eating rice this thing that we all gasp over? Like, what is going on right now? That's what I was thinking. I was like, why Why would anyone gasp to see rice? I know. Like, I, just, I know. I it's that. like that. It's like that. It's like, it's so hard to get people out of this idea that you can only you know, there have to be so many tight rules about things in order to be, you know, taking care of yourself. And I think what we forget is just humans are in a constant state of transformation all the time, like a single human body, every 7 trillion cells or whatever it is that we have turns over within a year. Mm -hmm. Um, so our needs are going to be in a constant state of flux and change. And, you know, it doesn't, it's hard to make money off of a diet that's continually evolving and changing. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So do you want to share a little bit more about your personal story and journey with us and kind of how even after you overcame your eating disorder, how that kind of 
took on a new face. I really want you to share more about that with us because I think that's something that is just like so prevalent within our health communities these days and people aren't aware of it at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and, And that's actually a really good thing because for me, it's actually been the hardest part of fully overcoming any sort of eating disorder thoughts or behaviors. You know, the early days um, when I was in high school and college of my eating disorder, it was pretty standard. Like the behaviors were very serious. I went to a recovery center for a month to get help and had my treatment team to get out of those behaviors. And then it was like, okay, those behaviors are done. Now you're good. Go out and live your life. And from that point on, you know, I've had a lot of help um, and therapists and nutritionists along the way, but it's really been a lot of me wading through this world of like, what is a healthy mindset? What is a style of eating that makes me feel the best? How much movement and what kinds and in what context um, make me feel good and set my body up for a sustainable future? versus um, get me into this little trap of competition or um, burning calories or having a body that I I like the look of Mm -hmm. um, or that I think other people will like the look of. Um, And that's, you know, for me, it's taken a lot of different, a lot of different spaces over the last few years. And, um, you know, it was quite what, I noticed was that I tended to follow the most popular ideas at the time that I was seeing, you know, just blogging was starting to get really popular around 2010, 2011, which is when I got into that world. Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram became a thing in what, like 2010? Yeah. Yeah. 2011 around there, I think. Something like that. Something like that. So like, as I was getting into this world, I'm trying to navigate health and wellness for myself. All of these new platforms where people could share just their opinions of health and wellness all of the time were getting really popular too. And, you know, I went vegan for a while because I was seeing all of these things about how that was great for the environment and um, the more vegetables you could eat and in the more organic and clean and raw state, the better your mindset would be. And if you had a better mindset, you'd be less likely to be eating disordered. And so I got, you know, I always had this idea in the back of my head is like, if I try this, I'll be less likely to go back to my eating disorder. Yeah. Which is such a funny thing because I would just grasp onto these different little sets of rules like eating vegan Um, or later it was um, eating paleo or following the whole 30 for months at a time or, um, you know, a FODMAPS diet for a long time as it was on FODMAPS and um, had all of these different food allergies and food sensitivities that limited what I was able to eat and um, then keto for a long time because, you know, several years ago I had just gotten married. This was probably two, three years ago. I just gotten married and um, we weren't ready to have children yet, 
but we were thinking about it and I hadn't had a period in like eight years or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, the new information out there was keto, keto, keto. It's going to heal your hormones. It's going to clear your brain fog. (laughs) It's, you know, going to heal any issue you've ever had in your life. Here it is, eat keto. (laughs) Um, and what I found with all of those was I would feel worse and I would feel restricted. And eventually I would always come back to this place of, I can't have this many rules. It's, um, keeping me sick. It's giving me a reason to make controlling my food, the most important part of my life. And, um, and that's really when after you know, a pretty significant relapse that followed up with keto because I did see a major amount of weight gain on keto. Okay. Um, which doesn't happen to everyone. And right. for me, it did. And um, so I got into this world of intuitive eating because I wasn't feeling good and feeling worse. And um, it wasn't necessarily the weight gain that upset me. It just was that nothing in me felt like it was working right. Um, and I had a pretty significant relapse into anorexic behaviors at that point. And, um, you know, as a recovery strategy dove into the world of intuitive eating from there, um, and getting really into, you know, what does intuitive eating mean? What does it look like? Um, and you know, the, kind of the dogma around intuitive eating is just as strong I've found as some of the dogma around these other, you know, most popular eating styles or, or diets too. Mm -hmm. Um, and not that it's bad. Intuitive eating is wonderful. Like Mm -hmm. it's wonderful. It saved my life on like three different occasions. Um, but what I did find was that I've had to be careful with how I approach it as well. Because again, you know, for someone who has had the health history that I've had, there's certain things that I needed to be making sure I was doing with my food to heal a long time of restriction. Um, And for me personally, after several months, even close to a year of strictly following intuitive eating style, it didn't seem like there was room to be focused on, you know, am I getting the right amount of nutrients? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I getting the right amount of energy day to day to support my activities? Mm -hmm. Um, Is doing a lot of activity okay? there was just a lot of a lot of questions that I had that when I went to the literature around intuitive eating, I tended to get an answer that said, just eat whatever you feel like or just move whenever you feel like mm-hmm. um, and stay away from anything that stinks of counting, measuring, planning, um, preparing. And um, when it did come time for me to start trying to have a baby, um, I had a lot of trouble. My periods were still very weird. My ovulation cycles were still very weird. And um, when I first did get pregnant, I ended up miscarrying because my progesterone was so 
so ridiculously low. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I really had to do at that point was say, you know what, I have all of the tools of intuitive eating and I have all of the tools of being able to strategize and plan. And there is a way to blend the two together and, you know, keep most of my energy off of food, (laughs) like put a little energy into food so I can keep most of my energy off of food. Yeah. Okay. I really want to talk more about this transition because I know that's like, like I know you personally, you're a close friend of mine. So I know that this transition that we're just touching on right now is literally where like the magic started happening within your life. So I do want to dive into that. But first, I think it's so important if we back up and talk a little bit more about intuitive eating, what most of us might think it is, and how you kind of like came to redefine that for yourself. And I really want to talk more about how you said like intuitive eating can be just as like dogmatic as any other type of diet. And I just want to make sure that everyone knows that obviously I'm not against intuitive eating. I'm not saying anything bad about it or anything like that. But if you follow a bunch of intuitive eating accounts or even just like find or search out intuitive eating accounts on Instagram, it's just so interesting to me how intuitive eating used to be this thing that it was just like, okay, just listen to your body, and there wasn't really much else to it. And now, in like 2019, there's very influential people and accounts that are all about intuitive eating, but they're like bashing other diets and other ways of like taking care of yourself. Like you said, you know, um, even kind of like counting or paying attention to food in any sort of way. It's like, oh, you're on a diet that's wrong, that's disordered, that's not intuitive eating. Yeah. So I would really love for you to kind of elaborate on that or share your feelings on that with me. Absolutely. Um, And I do, you know, I want to make it clear too, I think intuitive eating is a wonderful approach. And especially if you've been stuck in, like I was, like so many people were following diet protocol after diet and protocol, um, intuitive eating is an incredible way to break the cycle and just start to look at your relationship with food and, um, break down some of the barriers that you may have consciously or unconsciously put up around food for yourself. Like it's wonderful. Um, and I think it's also important, just like you said, to really be able to look at um, and filter for yourself the information that's out there. Um, Because it has, in 2019, intuitive eating, there's book after book after book written about it. 
There's thousands of Instagram influencers out there who get paid to post, um, paid to get book sales, paid to get clients that follow their specific version of intuitive eating coaching, whatever that may be. Um, so I just think it's important to realize that the information coming out there isn't you know, completely unbiased either. Right. Um, and that even, even the world of intuitive eating has to have specific, um, (laughs) rules (laughs) that you follow to distinguish it from anything else. Um, so that it can kind of continue its brand. Um, which is fine. It gets more people to see it. It gets more people to follow it. Um, I do, you know, I filled up my Instagram account with intuitive eating, um, accounts for a while, just so that I could see more of that and less of (laughs) keto and clean eating and da, 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 da. Um, and I did start to see and have started to see more and more. I'm wishing I could find like several of them right now. I had them bookmarked, but I can't see, um, to talk about. But they're more and more becoming these accounts that are like intuitive eating is completely not counting um, any thoughts of going for the cleaner version of the food versus, you know, the thing that's, you know, very not clean, whatever, you know, I've got air quotes around not clean, um, whatever that might be is wrong and bad and it's not intuitive eating and you need to fix that. And, um, what I found for myself is when I was really going like that, where I took all my rules off, um, what I found was I was eating a quality of food that didn't feel good in my body. Um, I had a lot of guilt around, you know, choosing a salad instead of, you know, a sandwich or something at the restaurant, even if I wanted the salad. Um, I didn't feel like there was a lot of room to really care for my body um, in the way that I knew I needed to. And I was busy too. Like I, um, was in school and I was teaching classes. And so a lot of times my days would be literally packed from 6am until 9pm and, um, not being able to meal prep (laughs) because, um, you know, what if at two o'clock on Tuesday, what I had packed for myself to eat wasn't the, you know, what I necessarily wanted, even though I made it on Sunday a few days before. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not intuitive. I really just couldn't, I was spending too much money. I was eating all of these things that were making my skin do weird things, making my body feel really weird. Mm -hmm. And, um, I couldn't necessarily find a way out within the rules, quote unquote, of intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. Um, which is where I kind of had to say, you know what, for a minute, I've got to pay a little bit more attention to what I'm putting in my body. I've got to pay a little bit more attention to what things I have on hand in my home and that are already pre-made. 
Um, I've got to pay more attention every single day to how much protein and how many carbohydrates I'm getting and where they're coming from um, and where my vegetables are coming from and really make a concerted effort to get the most amount of nutrients in my body that I possibly could in a really organized way. Yeah. And I think that's such a great example of how someone can approach intuitive eating as another diet, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's what so many people do. I've worked with many women who have come to me just kind of like in the situation that you just described and feeling very confused and again like boxy or restricted and like there's no room by even trying to eat intuitively and just like on a personal note for me I think it was more so like the thinking about food and making sure I ate a certain number of calories because I know that's kind of like a huge no-no and I'm using air quotes right now. But if you look at any intuitive eating influencer, they will tell you that like, oh, your body knows exactly what it needs. So you don't need to be thinking about like, or you don't need to be intentional about eating a certain amount of food, for an example. But in reality, um, and I shared this in my last episode, it's like if I just eat 100% based off of my hunger cues and what I want to eat, I'm not going to eat enough for my body shape and size, but also my health goals. I'm just not going to eat enough. Yeah, that's, um, that's such a good point. And I do want to say this because we've talked a lot about like looking at intuitive eating through, um, the social media outlet, but I also worked with several professional registered dietitians who were um, certified in intuitive eating specifically um, over the years who again are wonderful. And through this specific transition um, were not the most helpful for me because again, when I went to them and said, look, I'm feeling this way, um, I'm feeling trapped by, you know, when I'm making food for myself, I like to choose healthy foods and I do, but, or, and when we go to my in-laws house or when we go to friends or house, or when we go out to eat or when we're at a party, Um, the rules here say to just eat what's there, to not bring my own food, um, to not, you know, say, I know that's not going to make me feel very good right now. Um, I'll have something else later. What they say to go ahead and eat it because they're not bad for you. Um, there, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to harm you. Any thoughts like that are eating disordered. Any thoughts like that are, 
um, you know, from a weird and wrong belief that are related to disordered eating. And so you just need to go ahead and eat what's there and know that it's not going to harm you. And any residual effects that you feel in your body are most likely coming from your brain and your beliefs and not the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was hard. <laughs> that was hard um, because I know how I feel when I know the type of food that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, organic works much better for me. And vegetables that I grow myself, eggs that my chickens in my backyard <laughs> lay for me work a lot better in my body than um, than foods that are, have been maybe highly processed or um, have a different nutrient makeup than foods that I would necessarily choose for myself. So that was a little hard. Um, to reconcile and then the amounts as well. You know, I am the same way. I, my body does give plenty of clues about how hungry it is um, and what types of things it wants to eat. And what I know is that after several years of following that, I still didn't have a normal cycle. Um, I still didn't have a body that was operating optimally. And I could tell that because my periods were still off. I could tell that because my progesterone levels were basically zero. Yeah. Um, and it, it, what I kept getting when I went to these professionals was just wait it out, just wait it out, just wait it out. Or you're still restricting some ways you need, to, you, know, <laughs> you need to stop restricting and then you'll get better. Yeah. Um, so for me, yeah, it has been, it feels very strange because again, intuitive eating was so helpful for me and it is so helpful for so many people. And there came a point in time where it was clear, I just had to be a lot more intentional and had to go back to, um, using some of the tools that, um, are big no-nos on the intuitive eating. <laughs> yeah world um to get my body back on track and i i really was able to you know it took several just a few months of being really intentional about the type of food i prepped um and getting the most nutrient dense food into my body and getting a significant amount of that food into my body yeah um before I was feeling better than I had in years. And my weight was up 40 pounds from where it had been um, even just a couple years ago. And yet I looked better than ever. I was, um, I had more energy than ever and I was able to get pregnant and so far I've maintained it. <laughs> and how far are, along are you again? Um, I'll be 17 weeks on Thursday. Oh. How exciting. I am so pumped. So I love everything that you just said, and I have a few thoughts in mind right now. But one thing that I want to point out is that there, as you and I have been sharing, there's like this way that intuitive eating is marketed and a way 
that many of us think intuitive eating should be, but I feel like if we give ourselves some space to kind of like flow through that, we come to learn a lot about ourselves and what works for us. It's like, okay, I did this intuitive eating thing, absolutely no rules, guidelines, structure, whatever you want to call it. Like for an example, something that works really amazing for me is having protein at every single meal. Mm -hmm. But if you were to do like that kind of textbook intuitive eating framework, because I don't like the word rules, but because like if someone's listening to this podcast and they're an intuitive eating influencer, they'd be like, well, we don't have rules. Okay, right. but but there is a framework or a yeah. set of guidelines that they follow. And having protein at every single meal isn't one of those guidelines, but by going through intuitive eating myself, I've discovered that I feel my best when I do eat that way. And to me, that is intuitive eating. Like knowing these things about ourselves and implementing that within our lives and the way we eat, that's intuitive eating to me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I agree. Um, and I, I keep using that word rules with reference to intuitive eating, just kind of like tongue in cheek. Yeah, I knew that for sure. <laughs> I just wanted um, to be like clear why I wasn't using that rules and kind of give our listeners another way to like see how we are referring to it, like rules, guidelines, a framework, I don't know, intentions, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for me, what I've really been able to see is like paying a little bit more attention and intention to my food. And again, I'll say this knowing full well that the me of two years ago, five years ago, you know, eight years ago could not be saying what I'm saying now and, and truly mean it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it, it does take a little bit of work, I think, to get to the point where you're able to um, put in some healthy parameters around food that don't turn into rules again. Yeah. Um, but for me, putting in a little bit of effort just to make sure that I am getting the amount of protein that I need, which is a ton. I mean, I'm six two and I'm <laughs> pregnant and I'm super active. Like, yes. That's something we didn't mention so yet. You are very tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a whole foot taller than me. Yes. <laughs> we look very funny in pictures together. We do, but I love it. Same. But for me to get an amount of protein that like allows me to continue to build muscle um, and feel really good, I would never get that if I 
just wasn't paying attention. Like it takes some work to get those grams up there. Um, and same with carbohydrates and, um, and I've been able to really pay attention to what types of carbohydrates really feel the best. Um, again, I don't really, I don't really think I have necessarily food sensitivities because at this point I could eat like a yeast roll or white rice or a potato, like a white potato, mm-hmm. um, or a banana. And I don't have any adverse reaction. Like I'm not going to get acne the next day or be bloated or have yeah, stomach awesome. issues or anything like that, which right. is really cool. That's amazing. Um, that wasn't the case. <laughs> I personally am not in the same boat. <laughs> Right. I just got right. glutened the other day. And this is something that, you know, how a lot of people are like, oh, is it in your head? And I know you mentioned this about like the whole intuitive eating thing that so many times that we like, we are able to convince ourselves mentally that a food bothers us and that we don't tolerate a certain food. So just the other day, my boyfriend and I, we went to a brewery out here in British Columbia and I don't really drink, right? (laughs) Like I drink like maybe two times a year and that means like one drink that night. So I have like two drinks a year maybe And we were at this brewery. I was so happy because they had gluten-free marked on their menu. Uh. And the salmon, the pan-seared salmon was marked gluten-friendly. And it just came with roasted veg and pureed squash. So it was like sweet. I'll order the salmon. It's marked gluten-friendly. And it came with like this saison sauce on it. But I was like, I don't know what that is, but whatever. It's gluten-friendly, whatever. So I get it. And I'm constipated for the next three days. I was so bloated. Like, you know those pictures of me on Instagram where it literally looks like I swallowed a basketball? That's what (laughs) I looked like. And so I was like, okay, what is Saison? And it's a type of beer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Not impressed. But yeah, anyways, go on. (laughs) No, that's wild. Um, See, yeah, like for a long time, I, and I think I did have some type of sensitivity and it just took a while of, you know, giving my system a break. Right. Um that I was able to add things back in, but so I don't notice any major adverse effects like that. I do just notice that like my energy is higher and more sustained when I have some things versus others. Um, or like I tend to get sleepier when I have some types of food versus others. And it's like not that big of a deal. Um, and I know I have a crusher day of like, several classes and four clients, like I want to make sure that I'm fueled the best for that day um, when I have the information instead of having to rely on like what just might be around or like what maybe sounds really good. Because to be honest, a yeast roll always sounds better than white rice. 
Yeah. Always. <laughs> right. And just like speaking about, I know we touched on protein and I love that you brought up carbs and that was another huge thing for me. Like I don't always feel like eating carbohydrates with my meal, but honestly, yep. like for the amount of carbohydrates that a female needs, especially a female trying to regain her period, like you have to be intentional about eating carbohydrates. So if I was just to eat carbs when I feel like them, I'd maybe have a potato at dinner. I'm eating carbs at every single meal because I'm being intentional about what I'm eating. And there is nothing wrong with that. And that's what I really want to drive home today is that – intuitive eating like this can be intuitive eating if you're coming at it from a place of really wanting to take care of yourself and um it's just like coming from a place of what you know you need and like that you know this about yourself right yes yes um and I think you know, a lot of times we get into this world of, you know, the, the cues your body gives you are hunger and fullness. And then what sounds good or tastes good. Um, and then how you feel after you eat it. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are the cues that you follow to decide, you know, what food you need when and how much. Mm -hmm. And what I think, is maybe missing from the conversation, especially the conversation at large around intuitive eating is that things like your period still not being there, um, things like having these significant hormone imbalances are cues from your body too that something is missing. Huge. (laughs) And they may not match up with what you're craving or what sounds good or what you're hungry for, Mm -hmm. but are very clear clues that for you and me, you girl, you need a lot more carbs. You got to put them in even when they don't really sound like something you want to eat right now. Um, and that's, that was a huge realization for me. It was like, Oh yeah, there's this whole other thing that's happening. That is a sign from my body. Yeah. Above and beyond being hungry or feeling like them. Yes. Yes. Like your, our bodies speak to us in so many ways above and beyond hunger fullness and just like cravings and taste preferences and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 100%. And, and, um, that's where I think I personally, and maybe again, the conversation at large has some room to expand or integrate is, um, to make a space for those body signs um that I think are maybe a little more important than just how hungry or how full you are Mm -hmm. that's huge and I am so happy that we're having this conversation today because I know a lot of eyes are going to be open but I have just loved following your journey I know we've been friends for definitely like eight years but over the past few years when 
you like you were very open about your relapse and then just all of the amazing changes that you've made for yourself over the past couple of years. I have just loved watching you, Sloan. And even most recently, where, as you shared with us, you went from eating intuitively, but feeling like boxy and restricted within that to this place of real, true intuitive eating, not like the intuitive eating that we have been kind of like trying to expand on this whole episode. But I've just loved seeing you get into this place of feeling very like spacious and expansive with your food. Can you share with us maybe some of the things that have supported you in feeling that way? Like what were some of the main changes that you've made? Um, a big one this summer was, I found the help of Lisa McDonald, um, who she's wonderful. You can find her on Instagram too, or we can link to her website or whatever. Um, but she really helped me understand what was really going on with my body and what those signals, um, low progesterone miscarriage, um, weird ovulation cycles. Like she was really able to help me understand what that means in terms of what I was missing from my food. Um, and really helped me start to reframe things, um, around nutrition of like, Oh yeah, that is something I need to add in. This is a clue from my body that's saying it's crying out for this, even though my stomach isn't, or even though my taste buds aren't. Um, so she was really helpful in that as well. I also, um, have gotten movement has been a huge, and we haven't talked a lot about movement today, but Um, movement has been a huge part of this journey as well for me. Um, cause I've been a mover since I was really, really young. And, um, what I had seen as opportunities for movement was either competitive sport or exercise, like in the realm of what all of us call exercise, like going to a class or going for a run. Um, and what I started getting into this year, mostly thanks to body work, um, was starting to see movement from a more natural perspective um, and how movement is something that can be and should be for human beings happening all day long. Um, and not necessarily exercising, right? But like changing where I sit, like on the floor rather than on the couch or reworking my home so that I have to squat and use my hips and knees and ankles and back in a really healthy way just to get the things that I need all day long, like a cup or a plate or, um, you know, my skincare, (laughs) I can put it in a place where I either have to reach for it or squat for it. Um, keeps my body in movement a lot. Um, and for me, that really freed me up from needing to find the right exercise regime <laughs> That's so cool. to keep me fit. Um, but allowed me to really understand like, Oh, my body was made to move, but it wasn't necessarily made to exercise, <laughs> okay. which yeah. has helped me really, um, free up a lot of that mentality as well. 
That's such a good way of putting it. Like our bodies were made to move, not exercise. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. I've loved our conversation, but I do have two more questions. One being a question that I keep getting time and time again from my audience and our listeners. I addressed it in last week's episode, but I would love to hear your opinion and take on it and personal experience with this just because this relates so much to what I chatted about last week and that's weight gain. Um, Women who are ready to start maybe being intentional about eating more just like you and I and then they experience weight gain. A lot of women have issues or a hard time with accepting that weight gain. So I would love to hear kind of how you navigated that or how you felt with that because I know that you mentioned you gained like 40 pounds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, God bless. That is for me, that's been the hardest part um, of this whole journey. And, um, while I, I hate more than anything, those side-by-side pictures, like on Instagram, where it's like, I went from being kind of, you know, there's a picture that's like a little squishier, a little softer. And then the picture next to it is, um, you know, it's not like, skinny, you know, as we would have seen in like the nineties or the early two thousands, but it's a really fit, really strong, really cut low body fat kind of picture. And the caption is all about how like intuitive eating helped me get the body. I always wanted. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) Um, so I I do hate, I do hate those pictures because I think they kind of pose a really false image of intuitive eating and perpetuate like a very, I don't know, just maybe not the right reason for getting into the intuitive eating world and put some expectations on what it could create. Yeah. And people that see those images can be left feeling like, well, I'm intuitive eating right now. I don't look like that. So they feel like they're doing something wrong or whatever. They're making it about body again. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and at the same time, what I noticed for me was that when I was kind of in that no rules, just right version of intuitive eating, my weight was the same as it was, um, you know, pre this pregnancy. And it also looked and felt a lot differently. Um, and I, you know, it was hard. It was really hard at that point. Um, cause I knew I needed to be heavier than I was. Um, I knew that I needed to have a much higher body fat percentage than I'd ever had in my life. And at the same time, you know, I felt terrible. My mindset was terrible. Um, I didn't have a lot of stamina, um, either mentally or physically. And 
my hormones were still a wreck. And when I started doing the version of intuitive eating that I'm doing now, which I'll kind of call intentional eating. I like that. Um, yeah. Cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not a diet. It's intentional. Eating. It's intentional. Yeah. Um, I like it. With, as my inside started working better, my outside started feeling better. So um, my body fat percentage is still nice and high, <laughs> yet I have a lot more muscle um, and my stamina is high. And so um, for me, it was a little easier to accept kind of the stronger and healthier version of the higher weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also something I haven't really navigated into is like, was one feeling wrong because it actually was wrong for my body or was one feeling wrong because of all of the conditioning I have that like that look isn't correct. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know at this point what that answer is, but, um, what I do know is that my body feels better than ever, 40 pounds heavier than I ever let it get. (laughs) Um, it's, it's just something, you know, I had to go through and break up with like eight years of Lululemon clothes (laughs) Yes, Yes. and just say, these aren't going to work anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like basically all I'm wearing right now is Lulu. I have Lulu shorts on right now. And Scotty and I have been traveling for a week already. And we have one week left. But when we were packing to leave, I was like, okay, maybe I should pack like one pair of pants, like jeans. So I went into my closet, tried on all of my jeans, literally like $200 pair of jeans for each one and none of them fit (laughs) and so my mom was like come meet me down at my favorite clothing store in our hometown and we got myself a pair of brand new jeans that actually fit so yeah 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 and it's (laughs) hard it's hard I've had to do that too you know I can't tell you how many times over the last year I've gone into my closet and been like again yeah. Again, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I also remember just this fall going into Madewell and bringing them four pairs of jeans that I'd maybe worn twice. Wow. And saying, you're going to have to take these back. I have to get new ones. And uh, for a, a minute, being about to break down into tears. Cause I was like, these were, you know, at the time I, when I bought these, I was like thinking I was doing a good thing, getting a couple extra sizes bigger and they're already two sizes too small. Yeah. Um, and the girl there ended up being so nice. And my husband was with me and he was so nice. And, um, they suggested I try on a curvy pair of jeans, like a curvy fit pair of jeans. And, they, oh my God, girl, I put those freaking jeans on and I like could not stop feeling myself. <laughs> I was like, look I at how it. good I look. Look at how big of a butt I have. These jeans are everything. I love that. <laughs> Which was so cool. And, yeah. you know, a really wonderful experience to have. Um, 
that could have that could have gone you know pretty badly mm-hmm. um and that piece that weight gain piece and that having to go and change your whole wardrobe even a couple times um is really hard and I think for me it just took a lot of time and um of getting used to just kind of being and inhabiting this body that takes up a little bit more space mm-hmm. um and getting comfortable with that in order to accept it and then god I know it's hard to say because it's like well, you're going to have to spend money. It's like, well, you're going to have to spend money. Like get yourself some stuff that makes you feel and look like a million dollars. Yeah. Like you need to feel good in what you're wearing. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's one pair of jeans, wear that same pair of jeans every freaking day and feel it all day long. Yeah. That's all I own at this point. One pair. Yep. I have no more pairs because I got pregnant about the week after I bought those jeans. So, (laughs) But what a good reason to not be wearing jeans, right? True. Yeah. (laughs) And one thing that I just want to add on about the weight gain, because I keep thinking about this over and over again, and I don't think I included this last week, but... I think so many women just get very fearful that once they gain weight that they just won't feel good about themselves and they anticipate this almost heartbreak, right? They anticipate these negative feelings. But what if you anticipated what you experienced at Madewell that day? What if every woman experience or anticipated feeling even better about their body once they gained weight what would happen yeah yeah that's so good that's so good it's like priming your neurochemistry I mean it's the same thing elite athletes do when they do like mental rehearsal of a big race or a new golf swing or tennis serve or something like that like they're just priming their neurology to experience something new in the way that they want to experience that new thing so that when they get there it doesn't seem new it feels like something they've already rehearsed and pre-programmed it's like oh yeah we can use that in body work yeah (laughs) yeah and in work with our own bodies oh Meg that's so good I I love love it I know I've been thinking that for the past couple of days and I think that has been a huge game changer for me and I said this last week but like this journey for me has simply just been intentional about eating more and getting my period back like really addressing my health and taking care of myself in that way I really haven't focused on okay, but what's going to happen with how much I weigh? What's going to happen with my body shape and size? Like I haven't focused on that. So when people ask me, well, how are you dealing with these extra 20 pounds? It's like, well, I don't know. They just like came and I haven't really focused on them because my focus has been elsewhere. But that's just another thought that I had is if you are – anticipating weight gain to be this really negative thing, then it's going to be. But 
we have that ability to be like, oh my gosh, when I gain an extra 20, 40 pounds, I get to feel even more like delicious in my body because by the sounds of it, that's basically how you felt at Madewell that day. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, and actually a lot of, a lot of days I felt really good about myself. I think I posted like more mirror selfies in the last six months <laughs> than I have my entire life. <laughs> Just because it was like, oh, cool. Look what's happening. I feel so good. Like, um, and I do think because I approached this time with a different mindset, like, I'm, I want to feel better. I really want to, like, get my body to feel its best. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was like very, it was always weight gain focused because that's always what I heard I needed to do. Yes. Um, was just gain weight, gain weight, gain weight, and then you'll feel better. But what if we didn't focus on weight and we just focused on taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And by loving ourselves, I mean like fueling ourselves properly. That's a way of loving ourselves. That's what it I'm is. saying there. Yeah. So Sloan, we are at the end of the episode. So I do have one question left. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh my gosh. Um, the word that immediately comes to mind when I hear that is resiliency. Love it. Um, so the ability to bend with all of the stuff life throws at you, um, you know, this past two years, especially, I've really had to understand what it's like to take all of the things that life can throw your way that you never planned for um, and never thought you would ever have to deal with and find a way to grow brighter and even more joyful mm -hmm. through that. Um, instead of letting it break you. Cause there's, it's such a, it's such a fine line. Um, when life does life things, yeah. <laughs> um, how we let ourselves deal with that and how we let ourselves grow through that. So for me, resiliency, um, is what it takes to be unbreakable. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared with us today. I know this is definitely one of my favorite episodes so far from <laughs> one of my favorite peeps. So thank you so much, sweetheart. Let us know where we can follow you on social media or find you, interact with you. I know you mentioned like the services that you offer. I just want to make sure that all of our listeners know that you are based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. So if they want to work with you one-on-one, -on -one, they're in luck if they live there too. Awesome, awesome. Um, yes. People can find me from anywhere via Instagram um, at Sloan Pittman Wellness. Mm -hmm. um, I'm there pretty often. I do take lots of social media breaks, but I like to check back in at least every once in a while. 
<laughs> um, and I post lots of pictures and videos of my chickens too. So which is come for that. <laughs> um, and if you are in Salt Lake, I teach yoga privately and group classes um, and do bodywork sessions out of a studio called Rock Steady Bodyworks. And that is in Holiday. And you can find my schedule at rocksteadybodyworks.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, sweetheart. I loved today's episode. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. This is like my dream come true. And I'm so excited it finally happened. And I'm so excited that we get to chat about all the things that we love to chat about. It was 